Hi there, it's Melvin. Just wanted to take a moment to thank the team over at Thryzer for supporting this month's podcast sessions. Thryzer is a payment platform that you have to check out if you are a private pay therapist and accepting out-of-network benefits. It basically helps clients save on therapy up front. Thryzer can help verify a client's out-of-network benefit ahead of the first session so that they get transparency up front on what their out-of-pocket costs will be. I'll tell you more about Thryzer here in the middle of our session, but if you go to sellingthecouch.com forward slash Thryzer, you actually end, then enter the code STC upon sign up, you get your first $2,500 in fees waived. Again, that's over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash Thryzer, and be sure to enter the promo code STC. So we'll jump right into today's podcast session. Hello, hello. Welcome to today's session of the Selling the Couch podcast. I hope that you're doing well, having a fantastic day. So I am super on it this year with the podcast. Uh, Normally, I'm pretty on it. This is like super on it. Part of it is because, you know, we're taking a sabbatical or we took a sabbatical until April from the podcast and it's given me a lot of time just to get updated and kind of ahead on podcast episodes. I'm actually recording this episode in late February and it's only going live in September which is amazing on a more serious note. You know, one of the things I've been doing, especially as Chloe, our daughter, gets older, is I've been thinking a lot about how to shift my work and how much I create this podcast more around her school schedule and summer vacations and all of that. So the other major reason why we're a little bit delayed on this episode is because I decided to take this whole summer off, June, July, August, um, with new podcast episodes because just kind of realized, you know, we only have a certain amount of time with her and I want to be able to enjoy these summers without worrying about, you know, creating new episodes and all of that kind of stuff. Today's podcast session is a wonderful conversation. It is with Thad Fry, who is a licensed clinical social worker out in Boulder, Colorado. Thad is a certified brain spotting consultant. So he has gone through lots of levels of training for brain spotting. Uh, Level one, two, three, four has done training with Dr. David Grand has done a whole bunch of stuff. And Thad and I actually connected because we have a mutual friend, my friend Mike Dell, who's also a licensed clinical social worker. Mike and I were working in a group practice here in Philadelphia, and it is conversations with Mike and our also our coworker, uh, Jess, uh, Jessica Honig, who's out here uh, in the Philadelphia area, that's was a springboard for selling the couch. Mike ended up moving out to Colorado and connected with Thad. And uh, Mike had been telling me, you got to connect with Thad, you got to connect with Thad. And we uh, finally connected. And you will sense this from this conversation. But first of all, like Thad is just one of the most kind uh, and just thoughtful people that I've ever met. And uh, I'm just so grateful to have this conversation. So we're talking about what exactly motivated that to do brain spotting and get trained in brain spotting. Uh, as Thad will share, uh, he has, he at that point, he had over a decade worth of working in hospice and navigating, working with families, work, you know, navigating the end of life and all of those kind of things. And then 
we go into some of the more technical stuff of brain spotting, um, stuff that I've just been curious about. I think I may have mentioned this on a previous podcast, but I've actually done about eight sessions uh, where I was the client, um, where I had brain spotting done. And uh, I'm a big, big fan of it. I was a little skeptical, and I think as most of us maybe, and uh, yet it has been tremendously valuable. The The reason I decided to work and do brain spotting was because I noticed that some of my past childhood trauma was really impacting, for example, pricing with, with that STC. Um, I felt like, I don't know, I, I just noticed like tremendous amounts of guilt and shame and just a lot of stuff. And I was like, I can't, I gotta, gotta get help on this. So sh- shout out to Manila Chand who, uh, who helped me with that. And so Thad and I are talking about some of this advanced, um, some of the technical stuff, and then we're talking about some of the more advanced stuff of brain spotting, particularly related to athletic performance. That's one of Thad's spaces and niches now, uh, particularly working with athletes on improved athletic performance. So among them, we're talking about something called the YIPS. So if you're not uh, familiar at all with sports, uh, YIPS is basically when a player loses the ability to do something that they've done pretty much their whole life. So a very common example is like baseball pitchers that lose the ability to throw like a certain type, like a fastball or a curveball or a kicker that forgets how to kick a football. So we wrap up our conversation with just a conversation on the yips. And uh, I think you're going to really enjoy this conversation. So here is my conversation with Thad Fry from thadfrycounseling.com. Hey, Thad, welcome to Selling the Couch. Melvin, thank you so much for having me. Well, first of all, before we even jump in, I can't believe I waited this long to have you on the podcast. For I really thank you, one, for just being such a longtime listener, and two, you and I have gotten to know each other well recently, uh, and I really am just so grateful for you, brother, like just for your kindness, your sincerity, just who you are as a person, and uh, I really am nerdily excited for this conversation, but I'm also like equally nerdily excited that we just get to spend time together having a chat. I appreciate that so much. I I nerdily uh, feel the same way. This is a very exciting thing. As you talked about, I live here in Boulder, Colorado, and I remember years ago going on runs uh, out in the mountains and listening to your podcast. So to be able to share this uh, time and space with you is, is wonderful. So I really, really appreciate being able to be here with you. Yeah, absolutely. So I know that when we were trying to think about like topics and and for this episode, I think we went to like a whole bunch of different places. And I remember when we first had the conversation, right? It was like, right. And you know this, but like, I'm a huge Dallas Cowboys fan. Yes. We were just getting ready for the playoffs, right? uh, No, actually the, what was it? The divisional championship, right? So our beloved kicker had the yips. Right. And we were like, oh, this would be a fascinating conversation, <laughs> but we'll get there. But yes, but I wanted to even start maybe at the kind of the beginning brain spotting, huh? So what was, yeah. what was it about that? That like, I appreciate that. I love brain spotting. So my background is I worked actually in hospice for almost 20 years. I had the honor of being with patients as they declined and ultimately passed, but I spent most of my time actually being with families afterwards. And I wanted to 
be able to figure out better ways of being with people and meeting people in those times. And I was actually asking a colleague of mine, a friend who was a therapist at hospice and talking about what are the different modalities that she had utilized in her personal life, professional life. And she had talked about she had had a sudden loss in her family and said the the she'd gone and seen a bunch of different therapists and Boulder is a great area for a lot of good therapists out there. And uh, she said that there was this thing called brain spotting that was about the only thing that really allowed her to be able to work through and be with that sudden loss that she had had in her family. And I'll be honest, I was like, what the heck is that? That's an interesting name to say the least. It doesn't sound like something that would even be like, I don't know, like a psycho, like a counseling name, right? <laughs> exactly. It, it felt a lot of times whenever I sometimes wear a t-shirt that says brain spotting, people either know what it is and are super excited, like my mom does that, or I've I've utilized brain spotting. It's amazing. Or people think that I'm talking about train spotting the movie and there's some kind of play on it. So <laughs> it, it, it can be rather confusing if you're not in the club. <laughs> That's so yes. So yes. you had this colleague who yes. had like such significant benefit from it. It piqued your curiosity. I mean, approximately like what year are we looking at with this? And I would say, let's see, that would have been around 2016, somewhere in that ballpark. And Boulder actually ended up being one of the hubs of brain spotting. So brain spotting was developed by uh, Dr. David Grant, and he's out of New York. And he was actually an EMDR therapist. He was a trainer. He wrote a book on EMDR. So he was very big in that world and then kind of stumbled upon brain spotting, which was just finding a fixed eye position while allowing for somebody to notice what was going on in their body and listening to bilateral music. So he developed that. And then we have a wonderful trainer uh, who's a mentor of mine, Dr. Pi Fry. And she is here outside of Boulder in a town called Netherland. And she had an in-person training. And I'll be honest, I walked up those stairs to go to that training and I didn't have a background in EMDR or somatic experiencing. So a lot of the language they were speaking, I was like, I'm not so sure about this. I, I know how to think through things, but you're asking me to be with a felt sense with an eye position and looking and just allowing my body to go somewhere. When we were talking about it, I thought maybe this isn't for me until we actually got the opportunity to try it out both as a client and as a therapist. And then I was hooked. Wow. So this was like, I guess, the latter portions of this training where you actually got yes. some. And yeah. what was it about? We, like, what was it about that? Like actually doing it that hooked you? Yeah, I appreciate that so much. So I, so I have an older brother and then I had a younger sister who passed away right after my 21st birthday. So she was five years younger than me. And so I actually brought that information in knowing that I was going to be doing hospice work in that I thought might as well talk about my grief process, right? I take myself into my work. And right at first, I was working with this person who's brand new to learning it just like I was. And she was very nice. She was a good therapist, uh, as far as easy to talk with. But I thought, I'll, I'll give it this a whirl. So I allowed myself to feel where I felt that grief in my body. And I named it and we use what's a sud scale subjective unit of distress. And I talked about that. And I she helped me find an eye position because she noticed noticed reflexes. 
And I'll be honest, the first, it might've been, it felt like forever, but it was probably maybe 30 seconds, maybe two minutes. I could hear other people in the class because they were all surrounding me. They were crying. They were having these epiphanies. They were having these moments. And I was thinking, I'm not feeling anything. And and there was a part of me that said, maybe I should just make this up and act like I'm having some results because I didn't want to ruin this other therapist's experience. And I paused and I let myself just go into the feeling rather than jumping into the thoughts and protecting myself. And as I did, a lot of brain spotting can be obvious because we have bubble up thoughts that that show up and you can talk about it but a lot of it can be very somatic and my processing is often very somatic. So I felt a numbness that kind of took over the right side of my body slowly over time. I noticed thoughts of some of my last thoughts of my sister and seeing her and it felt very calming, but it allowed me to cry deeply. And that, that somatic connection had me hooked because I'd never allowed myself to notice what it was like to go back to a time and then replay that and then actually feel the body sensations along with it. Oh my gosh, that's wow. Like just to be able to experience it at that depth, right? Like you said it so well, you went into the feeling. What was that like for someone that, I mean, you said like you're usually used to thinking through stuff, right? Yes. What was that like Uh, to even have that shift? I think having the guidance of high in talking about really allowing ourselves just to try this out. It was a lot of curiosity. It's a word I use with my clients all the time. Again, I had my own defenses around this is the way I do things. This is the way therapy works. And so I, in that, like I said, in that 30 seconds to two minutes, I think was a major shift for me personally, but as a psychotherapist that allowed me to say, I'm just going to give this a try and I'm going to go into the feeling instead of trying to protect myself from the feeling. So I'd be lying if I said it was easy. It wasn't and still is something that I can protect myself from, but I'm much more aware of it now. At that point in 2016, how long had you been licensed? Quite a while. Uh, I think I got licensed around 2004, somewhere in that ballpark. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, over a decade. Yeah. So The reason I ask that is like, I feel like I could see someone that's just getting started or recently licensed, right? Being open to like a new experience, but to have a decade plus, right? And a certain way of doing things, a certain belief. And I mean, I feel like a lot of therapists, like we all struggle with this, which is like, we feel like we have our own way of doing things, right? And there's a, like almost a closing off, right? I think that can happen. And how do you think you let yourself get open up like that? I love, absolutely love that question because it can be in noticing in myself, like I said, and uh, colleagues, we get in our, in our lane and sometimes we protect that lane. Right. And so, like I said, I think in doing grief work, it has similarities to brain spotting. So I think that helped me is that I am not coming from a place where I'm going to tell you how to do things differently. It's not super cognitive. It's a really allowing to be with sharing a lot of open space for people to go in deeper to their lived experience, to their grief, to places where people probably very well intentioned, but said, Hey, it's been this long. I bet you're feeling better. Or at least they, at least you had that many years with them. 
So a lot of my grief work was allowing them just to be in the room, share space with them, be in attunement with them, which is a lot of what's taught in brain spotting, but it also came very, very naturally to me because of that work. So I think it, it, although, like I said, that somatic piece wasn't as normal for me, it, it became right there in that room, it definitely started to shift. So I appreciate that question because I think we, I'm always, you'll find me at a coffee shop reading some book about different theory bases. And I tend to always go back to brain spotting, but I always want to learn more about what's going on in our nervous systems. So I think being open as therapist does us a really, really good for us and for our clients. Yeah, absolutely. I have a super technical question. So you used the word fixed eye position earlier. Can you explain that in uh, to someone that might be listening yeah. that's never experienced brain spotting? And for sure, uh, for sure. And then maybe the second part of that is someone that's familiar with EMDR and yeah. has that sort of contrast. Awesome, awesome. So it, you you hit the nail on the head. So in EMDR, and again, there's different ways of of practicing EMDR: eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. Right where they go back and forth between two different eye positions to allow for that bilateral stimulation. And so what we do is a fixed eye position is really what a brain spot is. When that that word's being used is we allow the client to be with whatever they're working on. So let's say they come in and they talk about an anxiety provoking situation. So we have them tell the story. They can tell the story as much as they want or as little as they want, which is a kind of a nice thing. Some people are not ready sometimes to share things, and but they're willing to be with it for themselves. We have them ask them where they notice that sensation in their body, a correlation, a connection. And often people are able to do that. If they aren't, we I could walk you through some of the things I do there. But but mainly, let's say I feel that nervousness in the top of my stomach. And then we have them rate that on a scale of zero to 10. So subjective unit of distress. And I always tell them, I don't care what you say. Like, know that I'm. you don't need to people please. It, zero mean I'm not feeling it at all. 10, I'm feeling, I feel like I'm bursting out of my body. And have them rate that feeling in their stomach. And then we help them either through using literally a pointer. And so they look at the top of the pointer and we have them look to the left, in the middle, to the right. And we help them fine tune it because I'm looking for reflexes that are telling me that their mid part of their brain, their limbic brain is telling us, oh, there's something there. And or they can do what's called gaze spotting, which is gazing around the room. So they'll notice they just put their energy and awareness at that top part of their stomach, and they'll look around the room until they find somewhere where their eyes rest in a fixed eye position, just staying right there in that position and allow their eyes just lightly gaze there as they notice what's going on in their stomach and we, they take it from there. Mm, that's so interesting. You said the word reflexes. So like, can you expand on that a little bit? Yeah, sure. So we have what's called, I'll just say really quickly, there's the verbiage can be inside window and outside window. So it's always from the client's perspective. So inside window is where the client would kind of do that gaze spotting, or they would look at the pointer and they would tell me as the therapist, stop there. 
I'm feeling something. So stop there. And that's their point. And then uh, outside window is where I use the pointer and I'll go across their field of vision very slowly. And I'm online. I see most of my people online. So I'll be going across the screen and I'll be looking at you while you're looking at the end of this pointer. And oftentimes we'll see multiple blinks. We'll see, I'll see them take a breath in through their nose. Swallows are a big reflex of movement. When I used to be in the room with people in person, you would see people shift in their seat. You would see their legs move, their feet move. My favorite is always a little bow. That one's just kind of fun. (laughs) So we look for those reflexes and some are very minute and you just pause there and you have them check in. And so I would, if I noticed something and I was working with you and you weren't, you were saying, I don't know that I can trust the way that I feel. So I really want you to tell me when to stop. So I'd stop and I would say, all right, Melvin, what are you noticing here? And give you a little bit of time, 10 seconds, 30 seconds. And if you started to drop into that feeling where you could actually, okay, yep, something is there. I'm noticing that I'm feeling more activated or I'm feeling sad for some reason, or a memory is starting to bubble up, then great. We're I'm just going to hold that position. I'm going to hold that pointer right there. I'm not going to talk very much because I'm not trying to knock you into your prefrontal cortex. I'm just going to allow you to be right where you are. But if you, I was going across and I stopped and I said, hey, Melvin, what are you noticing there? And you said, after a while of really checking it out for yourself, you said, not noticing anything, then I move on. And as I tell people, brain spots, therefore fixed eye positions aren't precious. They're, we have many of them. So let's work together to see what, what brings up enough information for you to work with that day. This is my complete naive questioning, but so once you identify the brain spot, is it almost like the entry point to the deeper trauma? Is that? Absolutely. That's, that's a great question. Yes. And that is the answer that, that is that reflects that your, your subcortical brain, your limbic brain is showing me that there's some information there. Right. And so that allows me to say, I'm going to stop. Let's be curious together and see where it goes. And like I said, if for whatever reason, every once in a while, I'll even be going across somebody's field of vision and I don't see any reflex at all, but they feel it and they say, stop. I would say, great. If the client feels it, I'm obviously that's where I'm going to stop because they know what they're working through. So yes, that, that those reflexes, multiple blinks, swallows, shoulder moves, that's telling me probably there's something there. Let's, let's stop and be curious together. Yeah. It's so interesting that you said earlier, there could be situations where the client, you start a brain spotting session and they're like, I don't feel anything. I don't see anything. Like, what do you do in like a situation like that? That's a really good question. It, it it happens for for a good, I don't know, 10, 20% of clients where at least at the beginning. And it allows me to kind of slow down both in the session and maybe in the work that we're doing together, meaning that they're from a parts perspective, there might be a part of them that is defending against feeling. Maybe they came from a family of origin where it was okay to be intelligent. It was okay to uh, speak from your brain, but not from your body. It wasn't okay to feel. So I'm asking somebody to be in a room with me or online even with me and allow themselves to be with felt sensation in their body and potentially emotions attached to that. That can be scary. 
that can be difficult. They could have blunted that a long time ago just to take care of themselves, to not bring awareness to themselves in their family systems. So it, it often allows me to, again, slow down and we can always pause brain spotting and go right back to talking, do a lot of psycho education on the nervous system. I'll usually have them between sessions. I will have them do walking meditation. I'll have them do body scans a lot. I'll do body scan with them in session. I'll have them notice, okay, I'll meet you in a week from now. Why don't you notice when you feel happy, if you do, if you feel sad, what does that feel like in your body? A lot of times we've been trained out of it. Our brain is really good at blocking out information like that. So that is telling me that I need to bring it back in slowly because a lot of people, not a lot, but quite a few can feel an overwhelm from that. So they're telling me, hey, I, I'm not feeling it. Let's do this differently. So I, I usually, like I said, pause and slow it down. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. I mean, it, the thing I keep taking away from this is I feel like all of these modalities, but particularly brain spotting, there's such a check on our own egos and our own sense of like, right? Like you got to do it this way. You got to find the spot like here's, you know? Yes. Yeah. Well, and what I love about, I'll just speak from the brain spotting point of view is that we do setups. We don't have protocols. We learn how to do these different setups. And we have a lot of different phases now, phase one, phase two, phase three, and so on. And then we, I'm a consultant. So I help uh, get folks certified in brain spotting. And as I tell them, let's learn these so that you can therefore go into the rooms with your clients and they're going to teach you what works for them. A lot of our different setups that we've learned uh, in phase three, phase four, our clients taught us, maybe what would it be like to have the pointer come closer to me or further away from me? Or So there's a lot of different things that we pick up from our clients and that it doesn't have to be rigid and that I get to, again, share space, be in that dual attunement with them and not feel like I need to be the expert all the time that I actually get to allow them to have that, which I think a lot of us, especially if we're working on trauma, people didn't have options when they got traumatized. And so now they have options. If I can set that up for them, they can have a voice if they want to, they can just be with their felt experience, right? They can talk as much or as little. So it really gives our clients an opportunity to take back some of that, that, that was taken away from them at a different time. Yeah, it's the empowering part of it is. So you got that initial training and you've done quite a bit of training and it's and you just <laughs> mentioned, right? Like now you're a consultant that works. So I mean, what's the depth of the training? And then and then I'd love for you to share that. And then I've got some questions on some of this advanced stuff that you've done with athletic performance. Absolutely. I would love that. So yeah, I mean, I, I won't rattle them off, but the nice thing about uh, brain spotting is you can go in and get phase one trained. And there are a lot of wonderful trainers out there, both in person again, as we're starting to come out of this pandemic and online. So there's a lot of opportunities, but after that, you can kind of pick and choose between the different phases beyond. So phase one, phase two, a lot of different trainers across the world are the trainers. And then Dr. David Grand is the trainer for phase three and phase four. So it's wonderful to be able to actually work with the person who developed brain spotting. So that's awesome. And then there's a lot of specialty trainings 
One of my friends, Serene Calkins, is a physical therapist and developed working with something called from freeze to thaw and working with how people feel frozen from that fight, flight, or freeze response in their fascia. So again, there's so many different kinds, uh, different phases to learn. And one of mine, I should say, I got to do a five-day intensive with Dr. Pry Fry and nine other therapists where for five days, we just did a lot of brain spotting. So that was both for as, as myself was wonderful, but what a great learning experience. Yeah, absolutely. And then, so it sounds like you've gone phase one, phase two, phase three, phase, phase four. three, phase four, a masterclass that David does in intensive, which is the five days I've done. I don't specialize in addictions, but Dr. Rovi Abels is wonderful. So I took her addictions class and helped help some people with smoking sensation and then performance work uh, through sports. Paige Roberts is wonderful. And I've been lucky enough to assist her and assist on phase one and phase two trainings many times. Amazing. So the one I wanted to pick your brain on is the one for athletic performance, which is probably the area that I would have jumped into had I not <laughs> focused on STC. Who knows? Yes. Who knows how all of this yeah. evolved, right? What was it about the athletic performance and brain spotting that, that piqued your curiosity? Yeah, that's a really good question. I I think so going into phase three, David always has an athlete that comes in. And if I'm remembering right, it was a local athlete who's a, a triathlete who's one of the top, it was number one, I believe, in the United States, is definitely in the top five. His name is Sam Long. And his mother is actually a brain spotting therapist. So he often tells his other competitors that one of obviously does a million things that allows him to be at that level of an athletic prowess, but that brain spotting has helped him kind of work through some things. So he came up and worked with David and just to watch what they worked through was, was amazing. And it allowed me to look outside the box. I love working with people through grief and anxiety and trauma but I also am a musician of, of sorts. So knowing that I could work with people in a creative fashion, that I could work with athletes really opened up a whole nother world to me that I didn't know was available. And really in the last year and a half, two years, I've really been focusing a lot more in that area. And I guess I definitely want to say this, that athletes often, and I think this is starting to shift in the culture, but are told to... If they get injured, just to work through it, that rub some dirt in it, that they're they're out there to perform. And I think that gets backed by our society, gets backed by sometimes parents and coaches. There are wonderful parents and coaches, but there are some that can be traumatizing to those individuals. And I think allowing them to work through and process that so that they can get back to loving the game has been one of my favorite parts about doing this. Yeah, it's creating meaning like in a different level, right? Like yes. to, you just said it so well, like learning to love the thing that they initially fell in love with that they may have like lost the way on, you know? So as I mentioned at the beginning of our conversation, when we had first thought about doing this conversation, we were going through, we were talking about cowboys and yeah, and maybe you can just sort of share the story. So there was the NFL like Dallas Cowboys kicker, and I'll let you take it from here. 
Well, I mean, so I don't want to label necessarily uh, for him for sure, but what looked like it could be definitely a form of the yips. And when I think about the yips, I think about a loss of ability that they formerly had, right? All of a sudden it feels like it's gone overnight. And so what we see as the the fans really probably started a long, long time ago. So this, what happens is often there's some form of muscle guarding, dystonia, which can be where where you don't have that feeling, that connection in your body anymore. A lot of times I'll work with a lot of pitchers uh, and they'll talk about how they don't even feel the ball in their hand anymore, or it feels like it's Velcro sticking to their hand. So there is something going on again in that limbic part of their brain where that fight, flight, or freeze response is, as well as their body that is making it so that that kicker knows how to kick. He's been doing that all of his life. He's a professional. He's the, one of the most elite uh, kickers in the United States, obviously. And for whatever reason, it could be something a little bit more recent having to do directly with this sport, or it could actually have to do with things that happened a long time ago. So one of the things that in brain spotting that we do with athletes is after I, I have my first conversation with them, see if we're a good fit, is I have them send me ahead of time, at least a week ahead of time if we have time, so I can review it. And I have them look over any sports-related traumas. And sometimes I'll use a different word, but really that what that looks like can be embarrassments. So were you five years old and you were in the baseball game and, and the ball went between your legs and you lost the game? That might sound silly when we're talking about a professional football player or, or baseball player or whatnot, but those feelings in the body, although we thought we forgot them, they often are there. So we don't want to recreate that feeling that I had to look at my friend and know I messed this up for everybody, right? Or it can be from injuries that we had. Often it's from concussions. So I've had a lot of work with a lot of people, again, I work with a lot of college and professional athletes. And so a lot of times I'll look through their histories of injuries, surgeries, and sports embarrassments. And then we work from whatever they're feeling the most of. So again, if I was working with an athlete that all of a sudden was having the yips towards kicking, of course, I would look at what other life stressors were going on, but I would go backwards and work from that. And ask them what the, were what were you feeling the most? Even though this just happened and you were on a national stage, yes, you might be feeling that, understandably, right? But I would actually have them go back and say, as you were writing that list, as you were allowing to, yourself to notice your body or any emotions that came up, what else did you feel? What else can we target to work with in future sessions together? And then we work from there. Be amazing. Last question, random. Muscle guarding? What is that? Yeah. So muscle guarding, I think about it as it's kind of the half firing of the muscle. So think about it as I, I think about it as the, the amygdala kind of getting us prepared, right? That our body is getting us prepared for action, usually fight or flight. And so adaptive way of muscle guarding would be if you have a bunch of the Olympics and people are about ready to run the 40 yard dash or they're they are when they get into position that's muscle guarding they're already halfway tensed up and ready to go but if you are a pitcher and you're trying to be loose or if you if you're in another situation and 
sometimes it's so subconscious, you're not even aware of it. And so if it's making you pull back or let go of the ball in a different way than you're used to, because you're, you're having some kind of interaction with that stimulus of moving your body forward towards a baseball that's hit you before, right? That can be happening very subconsciously. You can consciously know, I'm going to be fine. I'm going to throw this ball. I'm going to throw myself forward and I'm going to be fine. But your subconscious brain goes, I remember when that ball came back and hit you. We're not doing that. Or it can be from a different sport. I've had that where uh, pitchers often can be quarterbacks and they get hit on their blind side. And so I actually work with them about working through high school related injuries and all of a sudden they feel different in their bodies now and are able to throw that that ball the way that they are they know how to throw the ball so we're just trying to get them back to where they were but that muscle guarding is kind of that halfway muscle firing ready for action it's amazing like the more i have conversations like this the more i'm like it's just how the body and the mind and the interconnection and you know just yeah that I am so grateful for you. I'm grateful for the beautiful work that you're doing in the world. Where can we learn more about you and uh, connect with you? Yeah. Well, again, Melvin, thank you so much. I appreciate this and to be able to spend this time with you. And so the best way to reach me is my website. It's uh, Thad Fry Counseling. So my name is T-H-A-D-F-R-Y-E, counseling.com. Perfect. Thad, thank you so much for doing this and have a great rest of your day. Hi there. Hope you enjoyed my conversation with that. And especially if you've been curious about brain spotting and or you are a brain spotting consultant who has been thinking about doing some more advanced training or just wanted to geek out on brain spotting. I hope that today's session has just been really helpful for you and uh, just gives you a different look at just an emerging and pretty exciting modality. As I was reflecting on this conversation with that, I just you know, it's exactly what I shared on the interview. I think with STC and with, you know, many of the responsibilities I have there, I, there's always this part of me, I'm like, man, I really do want to get more trained in brain spotting. So we'll see how things emerge. You know, I, at this point in the life and business journey, I I have stopped trying to predict too far ahead. This is eight years into STC and I would have never expected many of the changes and shifts and all of these things. So who knows what will happen, but, uh, yeah, I'm just really grateful for this conversation and I'm grateful that brain spotting is getting more out there and, uh, yeah, absolutely. And then, uh, if again, if you want to learn more about that, I definitely recommend reaching out to him, connecting. That's also on LinkedIn as well, and uh, definitely follow him there. But his website is over at thatfrycounseling.com. Have a great rest of your day, and I will see you next time. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Selling the Couch podcast. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit www.sellingthecouch.com. Hey there, I hope that you're enjoying today's podcast session. Just wanted to take a moment again to thank the team over at Simplified SEO for supporting today's podcast session. So I wanted to actually give you a little bit behind the scenes. So Jessica has actually been a previous guest on the podcast. And I remember when we did that episode on SEO and blog blog posting and all of these things, Jessica shared such great tips, but more than anything, what I loved about Jessica was her 
character and her desire to be genuinely helpful to our field. And uh, so when we were talking about podcast sponsorship, I knew that like it made complete sense because how I try to run STC and how Jessica runs Simplified SEO as well as her group practice, there's just such alignment. Honestly, I want to be and support good people doing good, good work in the world. So if you've been thinking about blogging and you're like, man, Mel, like all these like private practice coaches keep telling me I need to do blogging, but I have no idea how to optimize any of this. Simplified SEO has actually DIY courses. One of our mastermind members actually took Jessica's DIY course a number of years ago and has this super niched, it's a very specific niche, but has been able to build her private pay practice working with teens with anxiety using all of the strategies that she learned from Jessica. And so it's it's highly recommended. If you are like Mel, I have zero desire to actually do this on my own. They actually have done for you services as well. Be sure to use the promo code MELVIN, M-E-L-V-I-N, to get 20% off any of their online DIY SEO courses. And then you can also just mention me or mention STC when you do a free consultation with them for $100 off their onboarding fee for their done-for-you SEO services. The link over again is at sellingthecouch.com forward slash simplified SEO. Hey there, I hope that you enjoyed today's session. Uh, Thank you again for taking the time to listen all the way through. If you are a therapist and you're specifically in a season where you're a seasoned therapist and you are wanting to move from clinical to online course income, we actually have a specific mastermind for therapists who are doing this. So this is basically a group of really kind and supportive therapists who are also wildly successful as business owners. And we met, we meet together uh, to build and grow and scale our online courses. You can learn more about that mastermind over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash mastermind. All one word, sellingthecouch.com forward slash mastermind. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to today's session.